welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I am Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. And before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. So this is kind of a big episode. It's episode 125. That represents like two and a half years of work. That's crazy. I know. Episode 125. I know. Where has the time gone? It's flown because we've been having fun. I was Uh, just about to say that, but I set you up for that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so we've had the podcast for like two and a half years, and whenever I talk to anyone about the show, a question they always ask me, which I think is kind of rude, but it gets asked anyway, is do you make any money off the podcast? People ask me this too all the time. And the answer, up until now, has been no. In fact, I say it costs us money to do the show. Yeah, and I say it's such a passion project. Joanna and I just love doing this so much. All of that is true. It is true. But also, (laughs) um, we are launching a Patreon campaign. We're going to explain what that means if you don't know. But basically, we are still a relatively small show. But more importantly than that, it's really important to us that we don't compromise the information on the show because we want advertisers. And so the natural... uh, option is to ask you to support the show instead. So basically, we're going to keep this relatively short, but if this show has mattered to you and you want to help us keep it going, you can become a patron of ours. That's like an old renaissance word. I really like it. uh, On this site called Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And the way it works is it's like giving a monthly pledge um, like you would to NPR or other podcasts or whatever. Um, It can be $10 a month, $5 a month, as little as $1 a month. Um, There's a lot of flexibility. Um, And basically we're asking you for money because um, the show costs money to make. It will definitely cost money to, you know, kick it up a notch to the next level, which we really would like to do. Reach more people, um, talk about, uh, talk to more awesome people for guests and all of that. but we would love it if that money didn't have to come from like a juice cleanse company, <laughs> which we would never do. Yeah, we want Daphne to would be like able to push me stay out of the true to studio. our values and morals and beliefs. Um, and you have, if you have not heard my juice story or juice cleanse story, um, it's rather traumatic. Don't do it. Don't do a juice cleanse. You don't need to. So if we can avoid being sponsored by third parties. Right. Or, Basically, yeah. we but, will avoid it. Yeah. We but will, also... We will never sell out. Right. Yeah. But you can help us do that. I can't wait till we get so big to the point where companies are all approaching us. I know. And we're like, oh my gosh, we can't sell out. That's right. <laughs> um, so to help us do that, um, you can become a patron. And we're also going to give out special stuff just for our patrons. Um, we're going to be shouting out patrons on the show. We're going to host patron-only events. So it's not just a way for us to be like, give us your money, but it's also a way for us to keep building this awesome community that um, the podcast has created. So if you are interested, you can go to justonemorepodcast.com and look for Become a Patron, or you can go directly to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for Just One More Podcast. We'll pop up there. Um, We'll be talking about it more in the next couple episodes, um, but uh, thank you for supporting the show in the ways that you have so far, and we're really excited about this next phase of our lives. Yeah, we are so grateful for you listeners. You guys all rock. Totally. And you guys, Daphne had to coach me so hard so I could be confident and um, assertive in this whole thing. So You did great. Thanks, Daphne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, we are so worth it. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so today's episode is about digestion. Such a good topic. Grumbly tummies. There have been times when my tummy has grumbled during recording and I'm like, I wonder if the mic picked that up. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, here, Joanna, have some peanut butter pretzels. <laughs> Daphne does feed me peanut butter pretzels. Um, so I thought there's so much, um, in the world of wellness that talks about digestion, improving your digestion, uh, what might be wrong with your digestion, blah, 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 blah. The certain foods that people say will be good for your digestion or are bad for your digestion. And so I thought that today we could just break down what 
part does digestion play in our nutrition lives overall? And um, what are some things that can go wrong? And what can we do to help them go more mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this is a pa- this is a topic I'm really passionate about. Um, digestion. The last time any of us really, truly, truly learned about digestion was probably in middle school. From um, Magic School Bus, where Miss Frizzle takes the tiny bus into the digestive system. I love that episode. We should definitely include a link to maybe like a YouTube. Maybe we can find the whole episode. Maybe you can just watch that episode and it'll answer all your questions now. (laughs) Just kidding. We wouldn't Um, be mad if you watched Miss Frizzle instead of listening to this podcast. I loved Magic School Bus as a kid. Um, I learned so much from that. I learned so much from Magic School Bus. And do you remember the show Wishbone? Yes. Yeah. What's What's the the story, story? Wishbone? (laughs) So he's a little dog who reads historical fiction books and reenacts them on PBS. Which we won't be talking about on today's episode. No, no. Today is not historical fiction. Today is all on digestion. So the last time I studied, or the last time um, in the world of, I, I think, like, standard American Normal education, people. I think it's in, like, seventh grade that you have, like, a big digestion section of your schooling. And then for the most part, we become adults. We forget everything. And then we throw out these terms like, oh, I need digestive enzymes, probiotics, um, oh, I need to detox my liver, or oh, like, I need to detox my my kidneys. We throw out these terms. And first of all, detox is like a term people use. And then people talk about just, oh, you know, I think this is going on with my GI system. And really, no one has any idea what the heck they're talking about. Right. Those all come from advertisements. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, I'm here to throw some knowledge bombs on all of you guys. <laughs> some science bombs. And just to, um, I'm going to like magic school bus, Miss Frizzle it up, give a quick breakdown of digestion, and then talk about ways we can optimally, uh, ways we can really optimize our digestion and why that leads to enhanced quality of life and why that leads to enhanced health. Um, and then we'll talk about like fun digestive disorders as well. <laughs> so fun! Um, yay! So, what so, is digestion? Yeah. What What is digestion, and how does it relate to our nutrition lives? I feel like mm-hmm. that sounds like a dumb question, but it should be said. Such a good right? refresher. Yeah. So, digestion is the process of turning pieces of food into their component chemicals. So, digestion is the physical breakdown of pieces of smooth essentially into smaller pieces. I think you said and, pieces of smooth. <laughs> Do I say pieces of smooth? Pieces of smooth, pieces Sorry of to interrupt delicious. Doctor Smooth is actually a cafe here in um uh. in uh. I wonder if that's maybe where he got that name. It's what, a, it's from, a, from from mispronouncing pieces? food, maybe or maybe his last name is just Smooth. It's a trendy cafe in in Nomad. Everyone, you should go. The smoothies cost a million dollars. So instead of buying those smoothies, you can donate them to our Patreon. <laughs> so. Um, Digestion, it's breaking down pieces of food uh, so they then go through your entire uh, body and then they get absorbed. So it's turning food, breaking them down into absorbable components and then we are able to use that food as the building blocks of our bodies. So it's basically what takes the food we eat and makes it into... nutrients we can use exactly so the whole purpose of the digestive system is converting the food to its chemical building blocks so it's turning the food into fatty acids amino acids monosaccharides and so notice i said fat amino acids and monosaccharides so that's essentially fat protein and carbohydrates those are like the macronutrients that we always talk about so it's converting fat into fatty acids protein into amino acids carbohydrates into monosaccharides so everything can get absorbed and then what happens is once the food has been reduced to these little chemical building blocks that's when the body is able to absorb it. Um, absorption begins in the stomach with simple molecules like water kind of being absorbed directly into the bloodstream. Oh, alcohol gets absorbed directly into the bloodstream too. We can talk about that a little bit later as well. And then um, different types of components get absorbed at different in different parts of the digestive system. And then the final step of the digestive system or the final function 
of the digestive system is the excretion of waste. And this is a process known as defecation. So that's when it removes indigestible substances from the body so that they do not accumulate in our guts. So the timing of going to the bathroom is oftentimes very, uh, it, it's controlled voluntarily by our conscious brain, but it has to be obviously done on a very, very consistent basis. So we don't have any backup of these indigestible materials. And so that's kind of the, um, so in a nutshell, digestion is breaking down foods into their chemical components so we can absorb them and use them and then excrete what we do not need. So it's like our entire fueling system. Yeah. Um, digestion is what gets us the stuff we need mm-hmm. to do the things we need to do. And it's also what gets rid of the stuff we don't need. Yes, absolutely. Nice. It's essentially the digestive system. You know, we have different systems in our body. And I remember this so vividly. In seventh grade, everyone had to do a project on a different system. The circulatory system, the nervous system, the skeletal system. Um, Oh, and then, by the way, I hope you guys know, I've since then studied digestion since seventh grade. (laughs) It's not the last time Daphne studied it. No, yeah, we have to go through this in our our nutrition studies, in our our personal training studies. Um, So... Um, ultimately, the digest that is digestion and how it works, but the digestive system is essentially this group of organs working together to once again convert this food into energy and basic nutrients to feed the entire body. It's sort of like your digestive system is the gas station part of the body mm-hmm. because it does the fueling part and then also the like washing your windshield part. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and the like vacuuming out oh, your that's so, the like uh, that's, goldfish crackers that's from your backseat. That's such a perfect analogy because the main components of digestion are um, ingesting the food and then a whole bunch of things in your a whole bunch of organs secrete things so when you say windshield wipers i imagine like water like rain (laughs) and like the fluid and then the excretion yeah so i'll talk a little bit about the the organs yeah and how digestion starts so so food begins its digestive journey uh in the mouth i was gonna be like let me guess (laughs) i know this one the mouth (laughs) and so that's that's actually where digestion starts and we oftentimes don't think about that. We think it, it starts once food hits our stomach. But really, the one of the most important aspects of digestion is chewing our food and the, uh, the, the, the fluids, the secretion of saliva. That is actually a digestive enzyme. So you're so, saying that when I tip my head back like a sword swallower and just like dump food down my gullet... Yeah. I'm missing an important step. Yeah. Then you're going to have total tummy pains, like major tummy pains. Man. (laughs) Oftentimes, a lot of stomach issues and GI issues can be solved by chewing our food a lot more than we do. It doesn't sound like a product I can buy. I know, right? (laughs) I know. No one makes any money off of... Me chewing my food. You, us chewing our food. We can't buy antacids, we can't buy Pepto, we can't buy um, Mylanta, we can't buy uh, Beano, mm-hmm. you know, we can't take all these supplements, honestly, we'll talk a lot about this later, but just chew your food. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. it starts in the mouth. So it starts in the mouth, and then through um, through this process of, of swallowing, uh, so sw- swallowing is actually also a part of the digestive uh, process in the sense that it's using the mouth, the tongue, and the pharynx, which is your throat right here, to push food out of the mouth through the pharynx and into the esoph- uh, esophagus. So that's the next part of the esophagus. And the esophagus is this long kind of tube thing. Um, it's a muscular tube, and it connects your pharynx to your stomach, and it's a part of your upper GI. When I say GI, I just mean gastrointestinal tract. That's one of the one of the weirdest body feelings, I think, is like when you're really warm and you drink something cold and you can like feel your totally. esophagus. It makes you feel kind of vulnerable, doesn't it? Oh, it's totally. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange thing. When we become too aware of the things that are inside us, I think it's unsettling. I wonder what doctors and surgeons must think. I think they think that they have every disease. 
Like, they, that's, that's a thing that's about true. medical school, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, they're just in that <laughs> world. Yeah. If you Well, and if you think it and believe it, generally you it happens. You, you seriously do. Yeah. That's why I love living in blissful ignorance. <laughs> um, so then the esophagus, it's, it's long. It's about 25 centimeters. And what it does is it carries the swallowed masses of chewed food all the way down. And it brings the food to your stomach. And then the stomach is a muscular sac that's located on the left side of your abdominal cavity. So it's just kind of if you like put your hand on kind of like the left side. We, we, so a lot of times we think our stomach's just right in the middle. It's actually on the left side. Mm. So it's interesting because for people who do like acupuncture, you know, they really are aware of where the digestive system, where the, where the organs are. So in an average person, the stomach is about the size of your two fists placed next to each other. It's not very big. So, no, yeah. And the stomach can also grow and expand, too. So sometimes you'll find if, um, you know, say you had a lighter day of eating, you might notice you can't fit as much into your stomach the next day. Stomachs can get stretched out, but they're malleable. Like, they, they are very malleable. So this the stomach is essentially a storage tank for the food so that your body has time to continue to digest large meals properly. The stomach also has hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes, and this continues the digestion of the food that began in the mouth. I definitely want to talk about digestive enzymes and acid reflux later. And then we have the small intestine, which is a long, thin tube. It's about an inch in diameter, and it's 10 feet long, and this is part of your lower GI tract. And it's located below the stomach, and it takes up most of the space in your abdominal cavity. It's kind of coiled up like a, like a hose, and the inside of it has a lot of ridges and folds. And these folds are used to, to kind of like maximize digestion of food and absorption of the nutrients. So by the time your food leaves the small intestine, 90% of the nutrients have already been extracted from it. So oftentimes we think like, oh, well, it's out of my stomach. I'm hungry. Like the food's no longer in my system. That's not true. It's like, about it's, to go do the real work. It's about to go do it, it, it. Yeah, exactly. It's about to go do its thing. And then we have the liver and the gallbladder. So the liver is this kind of like triangular accessory organ, and it's located to, to the right of the stomach. And um, it's the second largest organ in the body. But the main function of the liver in digestion is to produce bile. And it produces bile, and it secretes, it secretes bile into the small intestine. So the gallbladder it comes next. It's a small pear-shaped organ that's that's um, uh, by the liver, and that is used to store and recycle the excess bile from the small intestine so that it can be reused for the digestion of, of other meals. Isn't it so, crazy that we have all this stuff I and that know. much of the time it works? I know. It's How is it possible? Literally all the time. It's so crazy. So crazy. It's really amazing. So the next thing is the pancreas. It's a, a gland, and it's... Um, also near the stomach, it's about six inches long and it's shaped kind of like a, kind of like a lumpy snake. <laughs> sure. Kind of. And um, the pancreas secretes digestive enzymes into the small intestine to complete the, the chemical digestion of the foods. And then the large intestine is a long, thick tube. The diameter of the large intestine is bigger. So if the diameter of the small intestine is one inch, the diameter of the large intestine is two and a half inches, so it's bigger, and it's only five feet long, though. And it's located, um, uh, it's located lower, so this is in the lower GI, and it wraps around the small intestine. So the large intestine is what absorbs water and contains the bacteria that aids in breaking down of the waste, and it also attracts some small amounts of nutrients, but mostly that's done in the small intestine. And then your poop, <laughs> I just said it, we're going to say it a lot. And then you have your poop, your feces in the large intestine, and that exits your body through your rectum. And that's basically like what's left after the small intestines have taken out all mm -hmm. of the nutrients and the like chemical enzyme stuff has worked. Like what is left is waste. Yep. That's all waste. That's all stuff that you do not need. And um, that's all stuff that your body has. It's like, it's like, thank you. Um, you've served your purpose. You've served your duty. Now and get I'm, out. I'm going to get rid of you. So when we take a look at digestion as a whole, 
we are looking first or the digestive system as a whole the function it for we first intake the food and then we process the food the second aspect of it so the first step is ingestion another aspect of digestion is this secretion so like their saliva your mucus your hydrochloric acid in your stomach the enzymes in your stomach the bile that's meant to break down your fat in a breakdown fat in liver um, that's a huge part of digestion as well so we have ingestion we have the secretion and then the last as aspect is just like the mixing and movement of food so we have you know the swallowing um, peristalsis is um, when your the muscles in your GI tract contract to move your food through your stomach through your intestines and then eventually reaching the end of the GI tract and then being excre excreted so that's called peristalsis and then um, and then there's there's something called segmentation and segmentation occurs only in the small intest intestine and it's short segments of the intestine when they contract like a hand squeezing like a toothpaste tube and it helps to increase the absorption of nutrients by mixing food and increasing its contact with the walls of the intestine. Cool. So that is my Miss Frizzle Magic School Bus Tour of the digestion, digestion 101. Well, that uh, was really helpful for me. Um, and we hope it was helpful for all of yes. you, too. <laughs> um, so now thinking about our digestive system, there's a lot of stuff going on. And it, knowing how many things are going on helps me understand a little bit more why there are so many things that can go badly. Mm -hmm. So uh, just to name some of the digestive problems that our listeners might have experienced, we might have experienced... Um, these are some of the things that, uh, might be, that you might have had happen to you. Um, heartburn is a really common one, bloating, acid reflux, diarrhea, gas, stomach cramps, stomach pains. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that, like, when you're a little kid sort of get wrapped up in my tummy hurts. Yeah. Like, when I'm substitute teaching... If a kid ever says my tummy hurts, the first thing you say is, do you need to go to the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Because little kids are still figuring out, like, the. first of all, they're small, so all that stuff is really close together. Yeah. And second of all, they're still figuring out, like, what are bathroom cues? Yes. Um, so adults, that's also the first thing I would say to you if your tummy hurts. Do you need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> um, but we've got these digestive problems. I definitely have experienced, uh, like, Bloating is one that uh, happens to me, um, and uh, I don't so much have the other ones. Um, bloating is the big one for me. Yeah. So all of these digestive issues, um, and I can talk about uh, ways to also, and then you and I, we always, I feel like we always have good conversations about like when to see a doctor and like. Right. And, but also, we're always, we, we have great tips on, like, how to really remedy these things without having to take too much stuff, if that makes sense. Right. So, let's talk about heartburn. Well, first I would say, with any of this, we can just go over the, like, when you should see a doctor first. So oh, that if yeah. And let's then we that. can go into all this stuff. That's so, perfect. So, when you should see a doctor instead of just relying on stuff that yeah. we're saying on the show. When you are vomiting blood. Yeah. <laughs> If you're vomiting blood, um, seriously though, yeah. Um, if there's blood in your stool, if you um, have uh, like a sensation that food is caught in your chest or throat, um, unusual or persistent abdominal pain, if your discomfort is interfering with your daily activities, mm -hmm. um, if you have difficult or painful swallowing, if you have heartburn so bad that it's making you throw up, um, dramatic weight loss or weight gain that happens sort of all of a sudden, definitely see your doctor. Um, if your voice is always hoarse or you always have a sore throat, um, if you've been choking or you have persistent diarrhea or newer persistent constipation, or if your stool like changes dramatically, mm -hmm. um, those are all signs that you should see a doctor. So definitely see your doctor. It doesn't necessarily mean that anything terrible is wrong with you, but those are signs that, like, you know, call your doctor mm -hmm. um, and see what's going on. Yeah. And um, and then there's IBS and IBD. Mm -hmm. So IBS stands for irritable, irritable bowel syndrome. 
and then IBD is irritable bowel disease. So Crohn's and colitis are um, irritable bowel diseases, and then um, and then other things like IBS. People that that's a nice like general term for for a lot of these things like the stomach cramps and the gas and the cramping and the pain mm-hmm. and the um, uh, like the physical symptoms associated with with uh, the digestive system not functioning optimally. So that being said, see your doctor if you're having any of those more significant symptoms. Now let's go back to our digestive problems mm-hmm. and talk about things that we can do on a more DIY level mm-hmm. to m- maximize our, our digestive uh, systems. So yeah. you were going to start with heartburn. Yeah, so heartburn and um, I think heartburn and acid reflux are really important things to talk about. Um, I feel like I, I encounter this a lot. Uh, my mom is always talking about her acid reflux and, oh, she can't eat spicy foods and she can't drink too much coffee and she can't eat, um, tomatoes, um, because then her reflux is so bad. So, uh, acid reflux and heartburn is when you experience a burning pain in your chest, kind of behind your, your breastbone. And the pain is worse when you lie down. Or when you bend over. So notice it's not just like standing up. It's it's going horizontal this way or horizontal that way. Right. So occasional heartburn is common and there's not really too much cause for alarm. Um, uh, but if it's frequent and if it interferes with your daily routine um, and if the symptoms are essentially a burning pain in, the, in your chest that occurs after eating or occurs at night when you lie down. Uh, or, and once again, if the pain worsens when you lie down or bend over, the cause of heartburn and um, acid reflux, which is the same thing. Another word for it is GERD, G-E-R-D, which stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease, is you not having enough stomach enzymes. So what's happening is the food gets into your stomach, but it's not getting broken down quickly enough. So then when you burp or it comes up, that causes this kind of like terrible burning sensation and it carries from it carries food like back up to your mouth from your stomach not fun um yeah kind i of know gross. i know right but so, i think a lot of people suffer right yes totally so normally when you swallow the the muscles at the bottom of your esophagus so normally you swallow the food goes down and then it's going to travel down your esophagus and then the bottom of your esophagus is it pushes the food into your stomach. It's supposed to relax and to allow food and liquid to flow down into the stomach. And then the esophagus is kind of supposed to close. And when it doesn't, your stomach acid and the undigested food can flow back up into your esophagus, which is acid reflux, and cause the heartburn. And it's so painful. And a lot of times people think that you just have to take an antacid. So that's actually the opposite of what you want to do, which is really interesting. You want to actually restore your digestive enzymes and kind of treat the problem versus just treating the symptom. So if your stomach has a proper amount of digestive enzymes, then this can be avoidable. Also, stress apparently plays a big part in um in this whole acid reflux world. So crazily enough, you know, my mom, she was like, oh, I'm taking Prevacid, you know, over the counter. She was like, my doctor said to take Prevacid. Literally wasn't doing anything. Um, And then I had my mom starting to drink apple cider vinegar first thing in the morning. And guess whose acid reflux is gone? My mom's. (laughs) So it's weird because we think that the spicy foods and the high acidic foods cause the acid reflux they don't cause the acid reflux you're not having enough digestive enzymes because your gut isn't that healthy maybe because your stomach isn't that healthy that's what causes acid reflux if you have enough acid then you don't have the reflux so knowledge bomb boom (laughs) dropped um so when you say drinking apple cider vinegar in the morning Mm -hmm. what does that look like so what i recommend and you guys can find like a ton of content on this and there's so much research and this is something um, doctors and uh, nutritionists are have recommended for a really long time. Um, what I do is I mix 
about two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar with a whole bunch of water and you can jazz it up. You can add ginger powder, you can add some cinnamon, you can add lemon, and I chug it with a straw. I just kind of chug it. And, and the straw is so that you don't so the bathe straw, your teeth in vinegar, right? Mm, yeah, so the straw is that so the, the apple cider doesn't touch my teeth. Yeah, some people are able to chug it without Like a it. shot? Yeah, and some people are able to drink it like a glass of water without a straw, but you know how I am with my teeth. Daphne's very sensitive about her teeth. She I has like, beautiful teeth. I she like wants to keep want them that the, way. I don't want the acid to to do any enamel mm-hmm. damage. Um, yeah. And so, it's apple cider vinegar because of the acidity mm-hmm. and also because it's cultured? Yeah, because of the fermentation and because of a component in apple cider vinegar called acetic acid, which restores enzymes and elevates metabolism and does a lot of really awesome stuff. So I just do yeah. this when I wake up in the morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I recommend doing it when you wake up in the morning, and then you can drink it again at night if you would like. We can include some links, and I can send you some information. Cool. Joanna. I and can. I can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, any other heartburn thoughts, or should we move on to bloating? Oh, I think that's it with the heartburn. Cool. Yeah. So bloating is when my tummy feels like there's a balloon inside. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's very sad. Yeah. And when it comes to bloating, there are different types of bloating. Sometimes there's water bloating when our body's just retaining extra water and maybe we feel slightly puffy in our faces, necks, um, our arms, our lower abdominals, kind of where the the lymph nodes are. Um, And then there's the bloating of like, my stomach is distended and it's hard and it's pressing out over like my pants. Um, And... The thing with bloating is bloating can be extremely uncomfortable and it's caused by it's caused by too much air in your digestive system. So in terms of what causes bloating, certain foods can cause bloating. The in terms of the foods that cause bloating, I think it's important to be aware that it's different for every person and what one person might tolerate just fine. Someone else might not tolerate just fine because I don't like demonizing food groups. Right, it's not food's fault. Yeah, yeah. I don't, and, and like, you know, I can tolerate hard cheeses just fine. But if you ask me to drink a glass of whole milk, like, I get so farty. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's so uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh. I cannot tolerate this. Um, so things that cause bloat are eating certain food groups that you do not tolerate well. So in terms of these foods, some of these foods can be, for certain people, um, fizzy water, beans and legumes, and dairy, and really cruciferous vegetables in the Brussels sprouts and um, broccoli family. These foods are cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, and kale, and Brussels sprouts. And how trendy is it now to eat all of this stuff raw, right? Mm-hmm. And is it meant to be eaten raw? It's so funny. My mom, in her, like, you know, Chinese way, my mom is very adamant about, like, not eating those things raw. Hmm. She's like, it was, they were never, she was like, they're so bitter raw, like, no matter how much you, like, massage and dress them. She was like, your digestive system isn't meant to eat them. And I was, I'm like, but mom, I love the kale Caesar at this cafe. I'm going to get it. And then now, you know, it's very trendy to have chopped up Brussels sprouts, chopped up cabbage, chopped up broccoli, broccoli slaw. And I personally think it's okay to eat things raw. And yes, like some of these things do cause bloating. If you tolerate it, fine. Um, but if you do not then don't eat it, um, don't eat it raw. And then another thing that causes bloating is swallowing too much air when you're eating. So eating too fast. Eating too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And like not, and not chewing your food. So it, it, it's essentially when things aren't, when your digestive system is not working properly, People always talk about bloating, gassiness, abdominal discomfort. Um, it's not like these are only happening after we have like Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. We have like a big meal, but they happen frequently. And one of the things to really 
combat bloating and to that to combat that discomfort is to truly truly chew your food and to also not swallow too much air so to not talk and chew at the same time so if you ever have a an experience in which you are scarfing down food because you're in a rush you're like eating lunch and walking at the same time or you're like eating lunch and talking at a meeting all at the same time um, I think I'm just going to affirm this, but I think we've all been there, you know, like, and I, I never want to state a statement for everyone, but I think for the most part, many of us in life have experienced those moments where we are eating and driving, we're eating and talking, eating and walking, and that leads to bloating. So one of the things that can get rid of this, uh, this bloat, this uncomfortable gassy feeling and when your digestive system is just working so hard you can just imagine those intestinal walls like squishing in and squishing out and squishing in and squishing out and squishing in and squishing out and that causes gas and that's no fun so we're gonna chew our food Mm -hmm. we're going to pay attention to foods that make us bloaty or gassy um, and either try those foods cooked instead of raw Mm -hmm. or one thing you've suggested to me as I've gotten older I have more of the bean thing it's like so cliche but whatever it's true for me yeah um is that you were like are you chewing your beans or are you essentially swallowing them whole right because then like chili and soups right yeah Yeah, because I do a lot of beans in soup what so it's really easy just to like and I also eat too fast I know so I like (laughs) shuffle it down my gullet and then there are basically whole beans in my digestive system that my, my system is trying to, like, figure out. Totally. And you were like, that might be why you're not comfortable. <laughs> that might be why. Might be why. <laughs> so, chewing our food, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, scarfing our raw kale salad over the kitchen sink while oh, also talking yeah. on the phone. Definitely. Gosh, that sounds, it, it, like, I feel pain thinking yeah, about Yeah, but it's that. also, like, the, like, millennial woman who has it all dream, right? I know, like, right? So true. Um, Also chewing gum because you're swallowing air. Some people have that just, some people are able to do that just fine. Some people are not. You've named so many of my Um, favorite things. I know. Yeah. Seltzer water. Yep. Um, I get gassy, but in the burpy sense, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel discomfort. Right. I just burp a lot. And um, I also burp a lot. Yeah. Because I drink a lot of seltzer. I love seltzer. I love, love seltzer. With a capital L. So we're not <laughs> saying these things are bad. We're saying right, that if right. you have this problem Just and you're trying to figure things. out what it is for you, like, check these things out. Yeah, totally. I heard so, um, drinking through a straw can also... Drinking through a straw can also... And my favorite thing is drinking seltzer through a straw. <laughs> <laughs> so drink apple cider vinegar, but know that you're going to get bloating because you're drinking it through a straw. <laughs> um, and then in terms of uh, also artificial sweeteners cause so much discomfort and pain and bloating I would say this is number one because they're not meant to be consumed the digestive system literally doesn't know what to do with them yeah and so it's like I'm processing I'm processing and that's um, that's such a bad situation so just don't eat artificial sweeteners like just avoid like we here at just one more podcast we are proponents of balance and nothing is off limits the only thing you don't need in your body is artificial is an artificial sweetener because it's not a real food it's legitimately poison you're better off just eating the real thing it's legitimately poison the yeah. Daphne yeah. <laughs> statement on artificial can we, can sweetener we, can we quote me on that on our Instagram can we yeah just, I'm gonna like, send put... it to some science uh, journals yeah um so yeah and then with the dairy if you process lactose mm. just fine you should be fine I just oh. want to iterate that because I, I I do feel like yeah, people demonize gluten, people demonize dairy. In truth, if you can tolerate it, and if you're eating, like, the best version of it, you're fine. Totally. Yeah. Um, do you have tips for any other lifestyle changes oh, yes. having to do with digestion yeah, stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't even begin to stress how much stress affects your digestion. <laughs> nice setup. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I came up with that one myself. (laughs) When we are stressed. When your body is stressed, whether it's a physical stressor, an emotional stressor, a mental stressor, and your brain is like, ah, I have a deadline, or ah, I'm sitting in traffic and I'm late, or ah, you know, um, 
I'm upset because I'm sick or maybe your body is actually going through some type of physical stress, like an inflammatory, I don't know, let's use Crohn's disease as an example, which is actually a very good example because that actually really affects your digestion. So maybe a different example, like you have a cold, Mm -hmm. you have a cold or maybe you're fighting a virus. So when your body is undergoing any type of physical, mental, or emotional stress, the first thing your body is going to do it's going to shut down your digestion. I will tell you why. When caveman, because this, this is a caveman, cavewoman podcast. If caveman was in a fight or flight situation, say caveman is about to get attacked by a saber-toothed tiger and needs to run away or fight the saber-toothed tiger, and I know we always use the saber-toothed tiger, and we don't even know if saber-toothed tigers and cavemen existed at the same time. I actually don't. I think they did. Okay. I think we're good. But anyway. Yeah. One of our... uh, It would be stressful regardless. Exactly. So when that fight-or-flight signal goes off in the amygdala, so listen to our brain episode, and we talk about the amygdala. It's a little almond-shaped nugget in your brain that controls your fight-or-flight response. It sends a signal out to your body and it goes oh my gosh something terrible is happening shut down all systems divert all energy to fleeing or fighting digestion shuts down so oftentimes when people are undergoing really really major stressors um, even if the stress most of the time actually I'm going to just once again affirm this and I'm just going to state this the majority of the time the the stressor is not life threatening sometimes it is I'll give you guys that. You know, sometimes it is. Sometimes bad things happen. Um, For the most part. Work deadlines, being late to pick up your kids. Um, I'm like, what are other stressors besides that? Like work and uh, work and also... Pressure, you know, life stressors. Even things like um, traveling. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. Thank you. That's a great one. Traveling is fun, but it is a stressor on Mm -hmm. your body. That's a great one. Thank you for bringing that up, Joanna. Yay. Flying is a big stressor on my body. My digestive system goes haywire. I get so gassy on flights. I'm just like sitting there. I know. I don't want to fly with you now. I know. You don't (laughs) want to sit next to me. And like I'll wear, and sometimes I'll try to travel in like real people clothes. So I wear jeans when I travel because I'll be like in jeans and booties because I'm in athletic wear all the time. So when I travel, I like to look like a human. And if it's a long flight... And if my, like, jeans are tight and I've just been sitting for a long time, I'm the altitude, lack of oxygen, lack of water, it's just, like, everything goes haywire. And then I stand up and walk around on land and I'm totally fine. But that's a physical stressor on the body. So I, that's a really good example of a physical stressor that affects digestion. All systems, circulatory, um, respiratory, everything, pretty much just shuts down. And your body essentially stops functioning optimally so your body can figure out how to flee or fight and then we end up not fleeing or fighting we just end up sitting at our laptops or sitting in traffic or we don't do anything to get the stress out of our body and it builds up and it's kind of toxic that's a whole separate episode listen to our stress episode listen to our inflammation episodes Um, we talk a lot about that and um, stress causes so many of these disorders so stress causes, uh, stress causes the bloating, stress causes cramping, because what happens is when your digestive system is just not functioning optimally, and all of a sudden now you have these like big pieces of food that are in your stomach that aren't getting digested because your body is not diverting its energy towards digestion, all of a sudden you have these like big chunks of things that are trying to pass through your intestines that haven't been processed fully, and that is what causes... Um, uh, what what's causing pain, discomfort, the reflex. So breathing exercises, massage therapy, listening to relaxing music, I mean meditation, exercise, literally like walking in nature. Like just do what feels the best for you. Stress is a real thing and it totally affects digestion. The less stressed you are, the more high quality sleep you get, the more effective your digestive system is going to be. Um, ultimately, like I said earlier, the whole goal of having optimal digestion is so that your body absorbs all these fabulous nutrients appropriately so that you have an enhanced and relaxed quality of life. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, are you also going to tell us that we shouldn't eat too late at night? Because I feel like this is the place in the episode where you always tell us that no matter what our problem is, we shouldn't eat too late at night. That's, I think that's like, how did that become my brand? Like, I don't know, but you're very into I, it. I really believe in it. I really believe in it because I've totally guinea pigged myself. And, and in terms of eating late at night, this is what I'm going to say about digestion caveman <laughs> and this is this is not just stuff I'm making up this is all research <laughs> this is all science bombs and um, stuff that I say is just stuff I'm making right. up so that's how you can tell the difference between the two of us <laughs> so the, the digestive system does need a bit of a break at times it doesn't need to be working all the time so if you think about caveman and cavewoman they did not have three square meals and three snacks a day caveman went through periods of kind of um, having more food and then sometimes having less food and then sometimes eating more, sometimes eating less. Sometimes cavemen would not have dinner at night. Sometimes cavemen would not have breakfast in the morning. And um, essentially the digestive tract, uh, it is healthy to give it a bit of a break. So what people do recommend now, a lot of nutritionists, a lot of doctors, and this goes back to like ancient Chinese medicine. Um, in the ancient Chinese medicine world, which existed long, you know, before Western medicine, there was like a proverb that says like, you know, take a hundred steps after dinner and you'll live to be a hundred. Hmm. So it's essentially like just move your body after dinner to help with digestion. Uh, not eating too late at night. There is so much. There's actually a very, very, very famous doctor out there right now. He's all over the place. He's on every podcast. His name is Dr. Sachin Panda. Aw, so is he your favorite doctor? He's like, he's awesome. <laughs> and he's um, Indian. He's not Asian, which is so funny because it's like he's a panda. So, and I'm Asian, so I can say that. Um, but <laughs> in case you guys didn't know. Oh, boy. Um, Dr. Sachin Panda, his whole thing is circadian eating so when it's dark out it's not time to eat anymore that's not when caveman ate by the time it was dark out caveman was indoors caveman was in his cave he was like resting he was sleeping and so dr sachin panda has done all this research on how you benefit when you eat when it's light out and how you don't eat the second it's dark out then the, the second argument to that is well what about in the summer when the days are longer that's when caveman was eating more, more fruit too. So a little bit more glucose and eating for longer eating windows so that they could store for the winter. So we're actually designed to be eating on this kind of circadian rhythm where when it's dark out, like we are not supposed to eat dinner. And then I know people will be like, well, in Spain, they eat dinner at 10. In New York, we eat dinner at 10. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. Of course you can do that occasionally, but just listening to our primal bodies we physically are the same body that we have had for centuries and centuries and centuries. The only thing that has, has evolved is our environment and our quality of life and the way our life functions. So now we're just, you know, in light all the time. Like we're, we have light, we're, and then we're on our iPads at night. We're surrounded by night. Really, by the time it's dark out, we should be starting to dim things down. That also aids in our digestion. Another reason why going to bed on a, on a little bit of an empty stomach, um, giving your digestive system a rest gives it a chance to, to recover and then gently reawaken when you introduce breakfast the next day. Um, because an exhausted digestive system is also not going to function properly. And when I say an exhausted digestive system, I also mean, and this might sound crazy, but I have days where, or we've actually talked about this too, where sometimes we just don't feel like we want to digest salad, mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes you just don't, like you're, you just can't imagine digesting yeah. salad or you just think my body doesn't need that. Yeah. Like sometimes my body just wants some pound cake and coffee, you know, <laughs> sometimes my stomach just wants, cause carbs are easily digestible. Yeah. Or like when you're sick and you exactly. just want soup, like there's exactly. a reason for that. You're, it's easy for your body to digest soup. Exactly. That way your body can divert its energy towards your immune system to fight the cold you have. So Listening to your body, intuitive eating, I think is really, really important. You don't have to force feed yourself a salad every day just because Pavlov's bell is telling you it's 12.30 p.m. and you need to go to Sweetgreen. Like, you don't have to do that. 
Some days your body's going to crave something warmer. Some days you feel like you need, like there are days where I feel like I need vegetables. Another thing I do want to recommend too is instead of looking at your food like as a daily thing and putting that kind of pressure on yourself to get in so much fiber every single day because, and I'm going to just state this, sometimes that's really aggressive for your digestive system and it's working in overdrive and it's exhausted. Sometimes maybe you want your veggies in juice or smoothie form. And and when I say juice, I mean like a good juiced juice. And then some days looking at your nutrition as a weekly whole versus as a daily whole. So, you know, if you got in and they tell kids this too, they tell parents, um, parents this for like pediatric stuff. Some days you might not feel like you need to like shove in as much kale salad, but then there are some days where you feel like you need it. So this is intuitive eating, listening to your digestive system. The great thing is when you do give your digestive system a break at night, like a true, true, true break. So not eating past, you know, maybe 8 PM. Um, but I'm just saying that as an arbitrary, it's, it's really what depends on you and your schedule. In terms of what I personally do, I try to not eat past 8 p.m. Um, certain days of the week, I'll try to do as early as like 6 p.m., um, some days even 5. Uh, and then and then Friday nights, you know, I'll be out partying, dancing on bar. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but then Friday nights, you know, maybe the dinner reservation isn't going to start until 9, and that's because we're human, and I want to enjoy my life, and I want to enjoy my red wine and cheese and whatever steak dinner on a Friday night. Um, do I feel a little different the next morning? Totally. Like, totally. From a physical level, um, you know, hopefully not emotional, but, like, on a physical level, do I feel fuller? Do I feel a little more like there's still food and my digestive system is still processing everything? A thousand percent, yes. But then I kind of do it the next day where I won't eat as late. Yeah. Well, I think what you're describing is that it's not like a zero-sum game. Like, digestion isn't about, like, you're nailing it or you're not. Exactly. Um, It's about, like, you know, doing little things when you can to help yourself feel better and then not beating yourself up on the days when you eat dinner at 9.30 p.m. Exactly. Yeah, um, totally. Or the days when you don't have, you know, your apple cider vinegar in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just on the days when you do have more flexibility and you do have more um, options, like these are some things you can add in. Exactly. Um, we're just, I, I eat after dark literally every day. <laughs> I, I, do, I know, yeah. You know, it's totally. just not possible. But on days when I can get away with like eating by, at seven instead mm-hmm. of nine, I try to do that. And then on the days when I can't get away with that, I don't worry about it. So, totally. And I think it's because stress so, is also hard on your digestive system. So, is. don't stress about those things. Totally. I think that when it comes to digestive health, um, the most important thing to, to know is that the sole purpose of the digestive system is to really, like, nurture our bodies. And ultimately, like, above all, like, we are human. And lifestyle is lifestyle. And, like, there are some things I'm not giving up. Like, we have too many good restaurants in New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me to be like, oh, the sun's set. I'm not eating right now. Totally. But then there are some days, like, on a Tuesday, I'll be like, oh, okay, if I'm going to teach it at 7, I'll eat something at 6. Mm-hmm. And then I'll finish it at, and I'll be like, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I'm not physically hungry. I think, um, oh, another thing, too. When your digestive system is functioning healthfully, you do become more in tune with your natural hunger cues. And when your digestive system is just functioning optimally, like you're chewing your food, you're swallowing it, you're stomach is processing it and then your stomach empties it out and then that's when your hunger hormones will kind of kick in it's amazing how when all of that is functioning properly we actually feel like oh good i'm hungry versus being like i'm bored i should eat or it's 12 30 i should eat or it's 6 p.m i should eat or it's snack time i should eat or my boss just yelled at me i should eat or the flip side i'm hungry but that's bad and i shouldn't eat right right yeah so we don't want that either so So it's about honoring your hunger cues. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a little takeaway here. Mm -hmm. So our digestive system is the gas station of the body. It's how we're getting our fuel in and how we're getting waste out. Um, And uh, we took a little Miss Frizzle guide through all of the organs. There are a lot of organs that go into digesting. So it's not surprising that some stuff can go wrong. 
Um, there are lots of common digestive problems, and obviously if it's getting in the way of your life or if it involves blood in any way, <laughs> go see a doctor. But oh, and when you eat beets... Oh, right. Everything's pink. Right. Just Don't freak way. out if you eat beets and then your poop is red. That is <laughs> a common it will problem. Be. It will be. <laughs> um, but uh, for heartburn, we're going to um, do the apple cider vinegar and some water in the morning to try to amp up our digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. Um, for bloating, we're going to chew our food, eat more slowly, um, maybe see how we react to some of those other things like bubbly water or drinking through straws or beans or crunchy greeny veggies uh, and those things. Um, And uh, we're going to try to lower our stress when we can and um, try to give our digestive system a break when we can. Uh, But most of all, we're just, you know, going to do the things we can and then not worry about the rest. That's a perfect takeaway. Yeah. Do you want a snack? (laughs) Always. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Daphne. This week we have a listener question from Cassie, who asks, Why can I run a half marathon and feel pretty okay after, but when I walk upstairs, I feel like I'm dying? This is so perfect. I would say, I told Cassie when she asked that this that this was really relatable. The part I don't relate to is running a half marathon and feeling pretty okay after. <laughs> but I definitely feel the thing about stairs. I'm like, I'm in decent shape. Why can't I climb the stairs? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have a secret to tell everyone. If there's an elevator and an escalator, I'm taking it. Yes. <laughs> Same. I, I hate stairs. I even, I'll do stairs at the gym. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I love the stairs, like, when I'm doing cardio. I love them. You mm-hmm. just, you get drenched and builds up your glutes. I hate walking upstairs in real life. In real life, if I'm with Stuart, I'll have him stand behind me and, like, push me up the stairs. <laughs> He'll, like, put his hands on my lower back and guide me. Or or I will literally grab onto him and he will pull me up the stairs. That's like, And I'm like, I use these muscles enough already. I don't want to use them right now. I hate stairs. If I am taking the subway and if there's an escalator, I will go out of my way to find the escalator. The elevators can be scary in the yeah. subway stations. I and don't they smell generally, like they, Yeah, they're just, it's just urine, urine, urine. Um, so I, um, I don't know why I said that three times, but that's how aggressive the smell is. It is. But if there is, this is such a secret of mine. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm admitting this. This is is a little bit of a normal person. This is the power of vulnerability, everyone. I will teach workout classes. I will train myself. I will run miles. I will work out. And then get me out of the subway station. I'm going to go search for... I'm going to go search for the escalator. So what? why are stairs so hard? They're hard because they recruit every major muscle group in your legs. And they get your heart rate up because of the elevation. So because of the incline. Yeah. So it's... Climbing things, climb, uh, climbing uphill, incline is always going to make everything harder because it's going to not only tax your, all of, or it's not only going to recruit every single major muscle group in your lower body, like your glutes, your hamstrings, your quads, your calves, but it also makes your heart and lungs work. And they already worked. I already worked out. I don't want to do more stairs. <laughs> so if I want to feel less like I'm dying when I climb the stairs is really the only answer to climb stairs more often. So oddly enough, (laughs) the answer is stairs are easier for me on recovery days. Like when I, when you're not tired. Yeah. And then it's funny when I have those days where I can actually spring up the stairs, I'm like, Oh, have I not worked out in a while? (laughs) So we're all normal people. Sometimes we take elevators and that's okay. I think stairs are great if you have not gotten in all that crazy physical activity. I guess my legs are just always fatigued. Yeah. Which is a good sign for me to know that, like, you know, I, and rest days are so important. And I, I've, like, taken three in a row, and I feel amazing. And um, I'm going to go run up some stairs right now. <laughs> but uh, knowing that I personally feel like for someone who's really active and working out all the time, when you go upstairs... Um, and if your legs are just super fatigued, then maybe take that as an indication that you might need a recovery day. And then the legs, the, the days that you're like springing up the stairs and you have like a skip in your step, maybe that's, maybe then after those stairs, it's time to do legs. <laughs> so you're saying basically stairs are just hard. Yeah. 
sort of no matter what your fitness level is. Yes. Cool. Well, <laughs> Cassie, I hope that that was satisfying. At least you don't feel alone. Oh. Uh, thanks, Daphne. I'll meet you at the elevator. I hope other people come out after this. <laughs> we'll start a campaign. Hashtag no stairs. I hope other people admit that they too are like me and they sometimes take the elevator. I feel like people in their heads, they think I just take the stairs all the time. Oh, it's on the eighth floor. Daphne's going to take the stairs. No, she doesn't. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. That's where you can also look for information on how to become our patron on Patreon. You can also let us know what you think by finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at Just One More Podcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.